0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I recently learned that uh, four years ago it was, the U.S. Social Security Administration began hosting what it calls National Slam the Scam Day every year in early March. And, And this year it takes place Next week, and it's an annual campaign that's meant to raise awareness about the various scamming attempts that target people who receive Social Security or other government benefits and to better prepare them to defend against those who pose as government officials in phone calls or or emails or texts. The Social Security Administration put out a press release just this week that, that starts off by saying... Don't be caught off guard. And it urges consumers to stay alert, to be aware of the various tactics that these scammers might use, and to protect what's valuable to you. After all, it only takes one conversation where you let your guard down, one misguided click before all your personal information is suddenly in the wrong hands. Just one moment of complacency. And the results can be financially damaging. The Federal Trade Commission estimated that last year, 2022 alone, over half a billion dollars of consumers' money were lost to these types of scams. Now, I find it interesting that this press release and and, and that event next week, this warning against complacency and telling people to be on guard, well, it came out this same week that we're focusing on another type of complacency this evening. A complacency about something much more valuable than social security benefits and against enemies much more powerful than an anonymous scammer. Tonight we're focusing on complacency in spiritual matters and in matters of eternal life. And our enemies are not some imposters, but are rather the familiar yet serious foes of our own sinful nature, as well as the devil himself in our gospel reading this evening we heard about the disciples becoming complacent when jesus told them to watch and pray they they fell into a physical as well as a spiritual sleep they let their guards down and so tonight we're thinking of the ways in which we may have fallen asleep instead of keeping watch in various aspects of our lives But we also remember that just as he did for the disciples, Jesus rouses us by his word so that we may once again turn to him. Matthew tells us in our gospel reading this evening that that Jesus and his disciples arrive at the place called Gethsemane. And this is the place where Jesus often gathered with his disciples to, to rest and to find communion and strength with his heavenly father. But on this particular night, there was no rest to be had. Jesus instead takes Peter and James and John away from the others. And and he was visibly troubled, we hear. And and Jesus says to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. I'm sure Jesus found comfort in the company of his disciples. But he also has them there because Jesus wants them to be prepared for what they too would be facing in the next few hours and even days. But when Jesus comes back after praying the first time and and finds them asleep, he, he addresses them and he specifically admonishes Peter. So you could not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now we know that our Lenten series is called Jesus, Peter, and Me, because so often Peter stands out not only as representative for the twelve disciples, but for us as well. But isn't it interesting that Jesus addresses Peter specifically there? After all the disciples were, were sleeping, so Why? Well, it probably has something to do with the fact that that Peter, just a few verses before this in Matthew's Gospel, had just boasted that he would never fall away from Jesus. They all might fall away, but I won't, said Peter. We heard that last week. Remember Peter's confidence? If Peter were actually capable of what he had told Jesus, well, then he certainly should not have been sleeping at that moment. But we know that Peter's boast wasn't based in faith, but rather in pride. He was overconfident in both his physical as well as spiritual abilities. If he, if he really wanted to keep himself from falling away, like he said, then he should have been watchful and alert and ready for anything that may come. Peter was showing not only his pride, his overconfidence, but also his naivete. He is oblivious to the real and present threats that were closing in on them. And so he was probably thinking, well, there's no, no way that, that danger could come upon us, not at this hour. And besides, I don't see the harm in just resting for a little bit. You see, Peter became complacent. As we hear about Peter, we should take time to consider how in various ways we might become complacent. After all, tonight we say it's Jesus, Peter, and me, and it's all about complacency. The sleeping disciples who were in real physical and spiritual danger might reflect our own spiritual condition at times. So we too need to heed Jesus' warning, watch and pray that we might not enter into temptation. The question is, though, if Jesus were standing here physically among us this evening, what might his warning to us be? Well, perhaps it might sound like that slam the scam warning. Don't be caught off guard. And so Jesus might say to us, don't be caught off guard against the works of the flesh, things of your sinful nature like greed, envy, lust, anger, resentment, jealousy, and all the rest. Don't let these get the best of you. Watch and pray. But so often we don't. We doze off, failing to see the the threat of of letting our sinful flesh take root in our lives, seeing little sins as as harmless and not a big deal. But, But before you know it, these sins then move in on us and take residence in our lives. Martin Luther once compared the sins of the flesh to birds flying overhead, noting that in this world temptations will be constantly all around us. He said temptations, of course, cannot be avoided. But just because we cannot prevent the birds from flying over our heads, there is no need that we should let them nest in our hair. So the question is, are we letting birds nest in our hair? Have we been complacent in permitting certain sins to nest in our lives? Or again, imagining what Jesus might be saying to us tonight, he might also say, don't be caught off guard. Don't be caught off guard by those who want to distract you from my word, where I bring you abundant and eternal life. Watch and pray. But so often we don't. We doze off and so readily neglect God's gifts of word and sacrament We've been challenged a few times lately from our district president, Dave Davis, from our theological conference, The Word Works, or from our Sunday Bonhoeffer study, if you've been with us with that. We've been challenged to be a people who are daily in the Word. But how many times do we just let opportunities slip by treating the precious treasure that is the Word of God, that God delivers to us in His Word? How often do we treat that as just No big deal. Or Jesus might say to us tonight, don't be caught off guard. Don't be caught off guard in keeping your priorities straight in life. It's all right to work hard and and to be successful, to be busy with things, to, to make money that you need, but make sure that those things remain your servant, not your master. Watch and pray but so often we don't. We doze off and get comfortable in all the earthly things that bring us pleasure, and we put them as our life's top priority. We fit in all our callings to church and family and and faith only when there's room, only after everything else that we want to preload our lives with, preload our schedules with, rather than the other way around. And so the spiritual sides of our life can't help but suffer when we mix up our priorities. Whatever it may be, and and whatever Jesus' warning to us might be, this failure on our part in so many different ways, these and more... Our failure to watch and pray can happen gradually, even imperceptibly at times. But this process of putting God's things last, leaving him out of our our thinking and our planning and our living, this ignoring of the good and precious and free gifts of God, over time, it can make us complacent. Complacent to the real and present threats that are out there in our lives. Again, from our sinful flesh, from the devil, from this fallen world. Against the temptations to become spiritually complacent. And so Jesus' message to all of us this evening is for us to wake up to wake up from our spiritual drowsiness that we might be in and to steer away from these paths that only lead us to spiritual and eternal death. But what happens when we realize that we've been complacent? What happens when we've taken stock of our spiritual lives and faith and find ourselves lacking? What happens when we find ourselves once again journeying in Peter's shoes, failing to do, quite boldly, failing to do all the things that we've promised to God time and time again? Well, Lent should be a season of honest reflection and assessment, And ultimately repentance. But then what? What happens next? Well, we see what happens to the disciples. To Peter. And James. And John. Jesus wakes them up after he had prayed three times. And and they heard him say, rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Now, Jesus had just prayed, father, if it be possible, let this cup Pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And that prayer was answered. Jesus successfully overcame the temptation to be complacent himself. Jesus refrained from being spiritually drowsy in any way. Jesus was not caught off guard. And all because he knew that his disciples... And that we would be. Jesus told his disciples he was willing to go forward, not to avoid, but to meet his betrayer. And so God's will was done. God's redemptive work was about to be completed as Jesus took his final steps to the cross. And Jesus was doing all of this for you and for me. It's amazing when you think about it. When you stop to think that his suffering, which began there in the garden and continued all the way to the cross, was for each and every one of us. And so like the disciples, we are roused from from the sleep that we might have been in, any spiritual complacency that we might find ourselves in. And we can't help but hear and pay attention to what Jesus is doing for us. Because we dare not miss it. And so when we lift our sleepy eyes to Him, to His suffering, to His death, and to His resurrection, we see that Jesus did do it all for us. Our sins were transferred to Him, forgiven by His sacrifice on the cross, and the righteousness that He earned by His perfect Life was given then to us as a free gift, which means Peter and the disciples were forgiven and you and I are forgiven all out of the Father's divine love and mercy for us. And so we find that there is no condemnation for our complacency. Jesus woke the disciples, but not to condemn them. Instead, he said, see, Here is where I must go, and I am going for you. Tonight and all throughout this Lenten season, Jesus wakes us up by the power of his word, and what we find is that he doesn't condemn us either. Instead, he says, see where I went and where I am still going with and for you in your lives. You see, Jesus wakes us up. He enlivens our faith. He gives us new life in the Spirit. He is the one who leads us to confess and repent of our sins so that we may receive his free gift of forgiveness. Jesus is the one who moves us to pray in the first place, even when we may not know how, but we know that he and the Holy Spirit are at the right hand of the Father, always interceding for us night and day. And Jesus is the one who, who moves us to want to spend time daily in his word so that we can hear his voice over and over again announcing to us his love and mercy and grace. You see, it's Jesus who draws us out of complacency and fixes our eyes once again on him, the author and perfecter of our faith, As the one who was never caught off guard by by all that he came to do for us and for our sake. Jesus, Jesus was never complacent toward us. He was moved to do all of this because of his great love for us. And so we, like Peter and the disciples, simply follow him. Our loving and vigilant Savior. This is our Lenten journey. And this is the story of Jesus, Peter, and each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. (laughs)